0: All right, well, praise the Lord. What a friend we have in Jesus. That is a sure, sure blessing. It is good to be here tonight, as always, to be in the house of the Lord. Never to take for granted the opportunity to come together. And to fellowship, to assemble together, as the Bible tells us in Hebrews 20, or 10, verse 25, forsake not the assemblies of yourself together. And it's an honor and a privilege it is for me. I pray that it is for you as well. So we're going to get back into verses, Mark chapter 6, as we have read earlier this evening, uh, just in our reading time. And uh, I want to come back to this uh, this message again, this thought, if you will. In Mark chapter 6, this is on the back side of the feeding of the five fowls, and the disciples had uh, got into a ship, and they crossed over, and we pick up in verse 53, you can read there from the screen, if you will, the Bible says, and when they had passed over, they came to the land of Gennesaret, and drew to the shore. And when they were come out of the ship, straightway they knew him, and ran through that whole region round about, and began to carry about in beds those that were sick, and they heard uh, where they heard he was. And whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they, they laid the sick in the streets and sought him, that they might touch, if it were but the border of his garment. And as many as touched him were made whole. Now there's three different groups in these, these uh, verses. They're all referred to they, And so the three groups that we find in the very first verse is that when they had passed over, they came into the land of Gennesaret and drew uh, to the shore. Verse 53, the they that are speaking of in verse 53 would be the disciples and the Lord Jesus Christ, and that's the they that you see here. And in the next verse, verse 54, it says, When they were come out of the ship, that again is the disciples, straightway they, that's the residence of Genesaret, there's another they here in the midst of these verses, they knew him and ran through that whole region round about and began to carry about in the beds of those that were sick and, and, and where they heard he was. Now, again, the they heard where he, heard, sorry, the they where they heard he was that we find in that verse there. That is still the ones who saw Jesus. That's the ones who went to get those who were sick. But then we look down at our next few verses, whether wherever he entered into villages or cities or country, they, that's again those who saw him first, lay the sick in the streams and sought him that they might touch. Now this is the sick. That they may touch even over the border of his garment. As many as touched him were made whole. I mean, my friend, I want you to understand something here. That the fame of Jesus Christ, the fame of Jesus spread throughout the region in an exponential form. And I want you to, to think about this. We've talked about it all year. The Lord's earthly ministry, Jesus' earthly ministry, was only three and a half years long. Total, from start to finish, three and a half years on this earth. He was 33 uh, years old when he died. He was, his ministry, his public ministry, was only uh, th- uh, three and a half years long. And by the time we get into this, this section here in Mark chapter 6, that was only half the time. Of his ministry, and yet his fame had spread abroad all over the places. When he came to Genesaret, the people knew him, for they had heard of him. One of the beautiful things that I find here in this uh, in Mark six, as you know, Mark six is after the event of the woman with the issue of blood of twelve years. And that woman with the issue of blood sold everything that she had. She spent everything that she, uh, she had made. She spent her life savings. Everything that she had to try to to uh, to try to get this issue of blood healed in her life. Everything. And her final thing that she could do, she had heard about this Jesus. Then she heard that he was coming through. So she risked life and limb. to be, She was considered contaminated. She used to be away from everyone. She wasn't to touch anyone, anything or anyone that she touched. Or would have been considered unclean. And yet she risked life and limb to come and, and and she said in her heart, if I will just touch the hem of his garment. And she did, and she was made whole. And yet now we find here in a, a small period of time later on that the testimony made it all the way to Genesaret, That if these people, when Jesus passed by, if they would just... Reach out and touch the border of his garment. We talked about that in the sermon about that woman. Uh, That border is known as the wings. That word him comes from the same word as wings. And the Bible tells us in the book of Psalms that under his wings, the healing of his wings, amen, speaking of the Lord. That is that that garment. I'm saying all that to to really make this point tonight. They knew him because they had heard of him and much like most of our first world countries today most people have access to the internet to the telephone to the to the tv to the radio etc guys you know most people have some type of form of connection Outside of just say this room, I'd mentioned this this morning. Uh, you know how many people remember the days when, um, and you don't, Hannah. But how many people remember the days when you actually had to wait till you got back home to call someone back? Yeah, you, know, oh, you do remember those. She was a little bit child, but and uh, I I asked the 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 church this morning. I said, how many people remember uh, when they got their first answer machine? We I, I thought we were a big time. We had to get it you know, the cassette tape in there, you know. And and I found the I, I I remember uh, getting the whole front and back of that tape filled up. And I was like, well, what do I do now? And I found an erase button. I was like, oh, you got to erase these things. or you erase them. And, and uh, what 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 it, what it was, man. But but you know, I remember the days when you know you. Bring somebody up, you left the message, and then you just went on about your day until they called you back. Today, you send a text message, and it gets to them immediately, and if you don't hear back in 20 seconds, well, something's wrong. What's going on? I, I didn't hear back from you. You didn't text me back, you know? you know? And it's just its a different world that we live in today. I understand that. But I'm, I'm making that point to say this. We do live in a connected world. We live in a world that is Connected. In the majority of first world countries today, most people have access, again, to this type of connection. They've heard the name of Jesus. Uh, matter of fact, they probably heard of what he has done and what he will do. Yet to the majority of people today in our world, those stories that they hear about what Jesus has done and what he will do, they're just stories to them. They're just words of tales, events to believe or not to believe, and so goes our world today. I can't tell you how many people that I speak to and pray for diligently every day, trying to convince them of the truth and the reality of who Jesus Christ is. And yet it's just stories. In Genesaret and throughout the region, there was a massive difference than someone in our day and in our age... uh, Seeing something on Facebook and, and just scrolling through and going on, seeing the name of Jesus here and just thinking it's just nothing but a tale. Here's what we find here, and uh, here's what we find here in Mark chapter six in Genesis is that we find that these people recognized him. They recognized who Jesus is. First fifty three and fifty-four says, And when they had passed over, they came into the land of Genesar and drew to the shore, and when they were come out of the ship straightway. They knew him. That word straightway is an interesting word. I like that word. That word straightway comes with the idea of immediacy. Straightway, just like that quick. There was no hesitation. There was no, oh, who is that guy? He kind of favored someone. It wasn't there at all. Straightway, they knew who it was. They saw Jesus Christ when he was coming off that ship, and they knew who he was. They knew that he was someone that recognized who the Savior was. The word recognized, guys, it's defined as to identify from having an encounter with or to know again. That's what that word recognized means. Someone, if not many, saw Jesus and recognized him for who and what he was, what he could and would do, and they testified of that truth throughout the region. See, when they, guys, you, you'll, we'll get to it in just a moment here. When they saw Jesus, they recognized who he was, and it caused them to do something in their life. I don't read uh, uh, anywhere in the scriptures here, I don't read anyone sitting back complaining about their rights being abused. I don't see anyone complaining about, you know, someone pushing their beliefs on them or feeling, uh, being offended because of, of who Jesus was and, oh, this is one, I don't read any of that. They they saw him, and they recognized who he was. But there's a great difference here. As soon as they saw Jesus, they knew him. Beloved, I, I, can say, I want to say this to you today. Stay with me on this. When you see Jesus, okay. Now stay with me. All right, I'm not getting silly. When you see Jesus, it's going to make a difference in your life. All right. And the Bible tells me here in the book of John, John twenty twenty, which was our theme verse during the ended up being the lockdown. Of course, we didn't do that on purpose. But the Bible says that when he had uh, so said, he showed unto them his hands and his his uh, side and. Then were the disciples glad, watch this, when they saw the Lord. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, said in Limitations 3.51, he says, Mine eye affecteth mine heart. Now, guys, I'm not speaking about a visual scene in our world today of Jesus Christ. He is not going to appear to you you today in order to convince you of his existence. That's not going to happen. But I am saying this, you can see Jesus in your life. You listen. When listen, I'm telling you, you can see him. I'm talking about uh, him in the pages of his words, seeing him in the pages of his holy scripture, seeing him in the path of your walk, seeing him in the predicaments of your work. I mean, with the situations rolling uh, in our daily life, guys, this is where we see Jesus. This is where we come to know him. I, I shared this testimony. Uh, well, I did this morning. I shared it. I shared it, I've shared it in, in here before, but uh, most of you know. When I was 19, I, I was in, I was involved. I was hit by a drunk driver. And uh, uh, I was involved in a bad car accident, uh, it was a head-on collision, and uh, I, I went into a windscreen in the firewall at 100 plus miles an hour, and dislocated my left hip, and cut and ripped everything uh, apart, and all this and that, and I was the least out of the ones in my car, and, and or in the car that I was in, uh, who was injured, and other than the guy that hit us, he was the least injured of all. And uh, this hip was dislocated, guys, which is a severe uh, uh, injury, and... Um, it was a posterior dislocation, and um, I was a big fella back then. Uh, you know, it, it was, uh, they actually called me an elephant in the ER, and uh, I didn't know what was going on, and they had pulled David, who was in the back seat, who was in a coma for six weeks, and they had pulled him next to me in the midst of the ER. All I know, I was in severe pain, and and uh, but I, I fixed myself to where, you know what, I'm just not going to go down, not going under, and they injected me. Uh, with, with ten doses of what one would normally knock a person out, and I remember this nurse. She finally looked over and says, "Son, you're going to be okay." And I said, "Do you promise?" She said, "Yes, I do." And uh, they took all 265 pounds of me and took me off that table, and they put me down on the floor. And that doctor who was on call, Doctor Co- Doctor Gardner, put his foot into my groin and took my leg, and he got that hit. Took two tries, and when that hit went back in, they said it sounded like a shotgun that went off. And sounded off into the uh, into the lobby out there and put me back on the table started sewing me back together and they started sewing the last thing was my eye back together and i woke up <laughs> i opened my eyes up and there was a doctor there who'd done a surgery a hernia surgery on me two weeks prior and he says b it's going to be okay and i woke up and i see you after that yeah he, he settled my heart and saying, oh, let's say this uh, hip dislocation is a severe injury. My hip was dead. It was avascular necrotic for seven months. I was 19 when the accident happened. I was 20 when they scheduled a total hip replacement for me. Football career would have been over with. I would have been probably, at 51, I'd have been on my second or third hip by now. And Dr. Gardner, they had it scheduled, unbeknownst to me. And he just, he rang my mom up. He said, let's get one more MRI. Just get one more. Let's look at the hip on a Friday. Went in there on a Friday. Got I, to, I love taking MRIs. I can sleep like a baby in those things. And, and I get in there and he did the MRI. And went and got the results on Monday. And and Dr. Garner came through that room. He came into that patient room and my mom and I sat there. And he said this. He said, Miss Stagner, the only thing that I can explain to you right now, is that the hand of the Lord Jesus Christ has come down and touched your son's hip. He took the MRI results from three weeks prior and he took the ones right here. One was in November. One was in December. And it was night and day. One femoral head was black. as all get out. The other one was white as can be. He would never seen it before. And to my knowledge, it's never been seen again. And I tell you that. The only thing I was ever interested in out of that whole thing is I wanted to get back on the football field. I wanted to play ball again. That's all that mattered to me. God could care less about football. But what he was proving is that if you'll see me, I'll make a difference in your life. I'm going to do the impossible in the physical right here as a, to a 20-year-old to a because about 20 some odd years later, I'm going to call him to do what he thinks is going to be impossible and uproot his entire life and move to a foreign country. You see, that's my God. and When you see Jesus, he's going to make a difference in your life personally. He's gonna make a di- These people saw him, they knew that he was somebody different than everyone, they recognized him, they knew the testimony of who and what he was and what he would and could do. And it calls to a, a response in their life. But in our world today, they've heard of Jesus. And I realize this is, the statistics tell us that 67% of the world's population since AD 30 will never hear a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is true. 30 million people will die this year alone and never hear a clear presentation of the gospel. They'll never hear that if you believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will be cleansed of your sins and you'll have eternal life in heaven. They'll never hear something that clear. They'll hear a work salvation. They'll hear uh, X, Y, Z. They'll hear jump through this hoop. They'll hear go in this box and do this. They'll hear eat this cracker. They'll hear let me lay my hands. They'll hear all that stuff. We don't hear a clear presentation of the gospel. 30 million people will pass on into a devil's hell simply because they have not heard and they did not see who Jesus is. There's still today 2.4 billion people in the world who know who Jesus are, and yet they refuse to accept the free gift. What I do know is that in this world today, they have access to the internet, they have access to everything. And I'm sure the name of Jesus has popped up once or twice in people's boxes and on their screen and all this and that. And yet today they still don't know him. Knowing him is what makes the difference. Seeing him in your life. Recognizing Jesus for who and what he is, especially what he will and has done. So, beloved, when you see Jesus, it will make a difference in your life. It's how you're going to come to know him. And it'll make a difference in the lives of others. And that's one of the things I like to I, I like to I, I like to ask people. Is there a difference you're making in the lives of others? When your presence leaves someone else, are they changed just a little bit? They don't have to be changed 180 degrees, but are they touched just a little bit? You come to know him, and your life is going to be different. They recognized who Jesus was. And I'm going to show you this. What's the response? When they recognized him, they ran. Here's what they didn't do. They didn't run to Jesus. They ran to get those who needed help. Verse 55 says, and he ran through the whole region, round about, and began to carry about in beds those that were sick. And, and, and uh, where they heard, he was, but seeing Jesus caused the response in their life to run and to find the, those that, that needed Jesus, the one that he could only help. They didn't do it, guys, with mediocre actions, but they ran throughout the region. And do you know why they ran? Number one, they recognized who Jesus was. But not only did they recognize who he was, they realized, guys, the shortness of time. And I think that's one of our biggest problems, our biggest shortcomings in our world today, is we don't really realize where we are. matter of fact, let me me correct that statement. We don't realize when we are. The third reason is the key, man. They ran because they knew Jesus was passing through. His reputation for preaching and healing in multiple villages and throughout the country was well known. And these people saw him. They knew him. They recognized him. And they went and got their sick loved ones uh, understanding fully two things. That Jesus was the only one that could heal them, but that he was only going to be there for a limited time. That he's only going to be there for a limited time. And beloved, they realized their situation. They realized their situation was dire and they realized that time was of the essence. R.G. Lee preaches a sermon called Payday Someday. And he says in this sermon, he says that somewhere out there written, there's an indivisible line written written across the constitution of the universe. We know not where it is nor when someone may cross it, but every soul will cross that line. I preach a sermon called Deadline or finish line, which one will you cross? Every child of God, every part of the bride of Christ, those who know Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, you got a finish line to cross. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 tells us that Jesus Christ is the author and finisher of our faith, that he has sat down at the right hand of the throne of the Father. We can see him. He's already finished the race. we got to keep in our race, keep moving, so that we can get and cross that finish line. Paul said, I have finished my course. He finished it with joy. But for every soul today in this world that knows not Jesus Christ, they don't have a finish line. they got a deadline. And there's going to come a time when they cross that deadline. And they have put off knowing Jesus. They have put off coming to know Him. they put it off, put it off, put it off. They've all, they put it back on the back burner and said, I'll do it another time. I'll, I'll do it when I have a convenient season. I'll do it when it's easier for me. I'll do it tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. Like my dad always said, tomorrow never comes. And they cross that deadline of the desire for even knowing Jesus, the desire for seeing Him is gone forever. There's a small window of opportunity in our lifetime to do two things, my friend. That is to come to know Jesus for who and what he is. And number two, to bring others who are in need to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. These people, the they, the second they, saw the first they who got off the ship. And one of those they were him, Jesus Christ. And they, when they saw him, turned and booked out. And went to gather those that needed him. They knew time was short. James 4 tells us in verse 14, it says, Whereas uh, you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanisheth away. The first Sunday morning sermon that I ever preached using a screen, I taught from it for years. And the new, the church, new church building that we built in Tennessee it was in 2005. First Sunday morning sermon, I preached the brevity of life, but I preached what I called a message called the hyphen. All right? And that hyphen was, is the, the dash, if you will, in between the year that you're born and the date of your death. For some, some hyphens, is 30, 40, 50, 70, 80 years, 90 years. For some, it's shorter. One thing none of us in here knows, we don't know when that hyphen is going to be placed between our birth date and our death date. Our life is here, but for a short period of time. It's like a vapor here today, gone tomorrow. And we got to strike while the iron is hot. I believe that there should be a sense of urgency in our life. There should be an attitude of immediacy. Not arrogancy, but immediacy. There should be an outward act of expectancy because Jesus is offering His healing, His cleansing, His redemptive act of forgiveness Now, but it may not be here tomorrow. It may not be here tomorrow. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored thee. And behold, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Everywhere Jesus went, people were made whole. Every place, every town, every village, and even in places where only a few people believe still. We'll put it in New Testament church lingo. People were saved. But again, his redemption, his reputation, if you will, was clear. He rarely stayed in a place too long. The recognition turned to a running because of a fact, this fact was realized that time was short. Blood of the Apostle Paul said in Romans 13.11, and that knowing that the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed i remember being 25 years old 24 24 years old 25 and going into the office in the wee hours of the morning and i remember thinking is it today lord are you coming back today and i'd be going down the interstate or highway 41 and i have my steering wheel i would grip that steering wheel and i'd get so caught up in the moment that it's today it's today it's today thinking that jesus is coming back right out of there i'm 51 years old now and you know what i still think that i to this day i still look for him every single morning every single night it's called the doctrine of, of the intimacy of christ that he can and will come back at any moment there is nothing that needs to happen for him to come back and so we need to strike while the iron is hot we need to occupy until he comes we need to understand that our salvation is nearer than when we believe it's nearer than we think so what do we have so far tonight we're almost finished we have a savior who is recognized we have a society who ran we have a situation which was realized and here's what's last this this evening and this is what i think our culture likes to see what's the results what's in it for me Verse 56, and whithersoever he entered into villages or cities or country, they laid the sick in the streets and besought him that they might touch, if it were, but the border of his garment. Watch this now. And as many as touched him were made whole. Essentially, people got saved. Jesus Christ was saving folk throughout the region. He was saving people. He was saving moms and dads and sons and daughters, aunts and uncles. He, and he's saving people today, guys. But, but look closely at the verse with me. And as many as touched him, were made whole. The inclination here, and we see this in church services across the globe, the inclination here would be that there were some Possibly many who were present, they were in the crowd, they recognized Jesus, they even ran for Jesus, they even realized the shortness of time, and yet, they were still not made whole. As many as touched him. Why? Well, they simply didn't touch the Master. They didn't touch the Savior. They didn't touch his garment, his heel, his ankle. I mean, maybe even though they could see, they perceived not. Maybe even though uh, they could hear, they understood not. Maybe even though they uh, they were in the midst, but they were in the crowd, they were in the midst, knowing full well of their need, and yet their hearts were still distant. Their minds were distracted, and the reception of who and what Christ is was detoured. happens every day happens on the street when the Word of God is preached. It happens from the pulpit when it's preached. And it'll and preach to a crowd of 20, 30, 40, 50 people. And there'll be someone, if not most in there, that, man, they're just focused on what may happen tomorrow. And tomorrow may not even come. And they miss out on being touched by the Savior. Let me share this with you, and I'll close here. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. The Bible says, but God commendeth His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But the word, the phrase commended his love means to introduce or to offer, to extend an offering. The Lord did not force himself on anyone at Genesaret, nor any other towns or villages or cities. He never forced himself, and he's not going to force himself on anyone in Cardiff either. He's not going to force himself on anyone in, Aber, Aber, or in, in Wales or in Aberaman or in England. He's not going to force himself on anyone whatsoever. But he is offering. He's going to offer. And often he's going to do so in a very short period of time. The results are left up to those who are willing to be touched by the Master tonight. The sweet psalmist said this, and I'll close. He said in Psalm 116, verses 3 through 8, The sorrows of death compassed me, and the pains of hell got hold upon me. I found trouble and sorrow, then called I upon the name of the Lord. O Lord, I beseech thee, deliver my soul. Gracious is the Lord, and righteous, yea, our God is merciful. The Lord preserveth the simple, and I I was brought low, and he helped me. Returned unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, and my feet from falling. Beloved, I know this to be an absolute fact tonight. You may be here this evening and having heard the gospel multiple times and still say, I'll do it later. Uh, I'll believe on Jesus Christ later on. For whatever reason. Maybe that's you tonight. There's going to come time when that desire will be there no more. There's a story, probably used many times, may have heard it before, of a gentleman who had gotten out of church. And he came in and, 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 and the pastor came to visit him and he had a fire going on, a coal fire going on in the wintertime he says, You know, you haven't been to church, haven't seen you lately, what's going on? He says, The preacher, you know, it just started out for whatever reason. I was tired, I was weary, back hurt, you know, all the typical excuses. And he goes, Man, you know what? I just I don't understand it. I just I can't get myself up and going. And as the man was kind of explaining everything and giving his reasons, the preacher reached over there and grabbed one of those hot orange coals out of the fire. And he placed it down on the hearth and he just kept talking. That Coal was hot, man. It was glowing in the beginning. It was on fire, if you will. But as they sat there talking, each one of them, eventually it turned black, and eventually it turned cold. The man never noticed what time had snuck by on him, and all of a sudden that preacher reached down and grabbed that coal, and that man said, no, 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 don't, don't grab that. And he goes, oh, it's okay. It's been out of the fire long enough. It's cold to the touch now. And, brother, I want to tell you something. If we're not careful in our world today, if we're not careful in the world that we live in today, if we get our heart out of that fire of the Almighty God, we get our heart out of the fire of what the Lord Jesus Christ can and will do for us, that heart's going to turn cold. That heart's going to turn so cold that even the Holy Spirit of God cannot and will not pierce it any longer. So, beloved, the moral of the story tonight, the end of the sermon, the, the, the very close of the thoughts is as many as touched him. My question to you tonight, have you been touched by the master? Or are you reaching out to touch him tonight? Because if you've touched him once, he's in he's in you this evening. And He'll make a difference in your life. When they see Jesus, when you see Him in the pages of Scripture, when you see Him in the predicaments of your walk, when you see Him in the problems of your ways, when you see Him in everything that we experience in our life today, it'll make a difference in your life. And ultimately, it will make a difference in the lives of others. As many as touched Him were made whole. Will you bow your heads tonight? Father in heaven, I love you. And I thank you, Father, for sending your only begotten Son down the cross for me. I thank you for the forgiveness of sins. I thank you for your mercy. I ask you tonight to continue to extend that mercy in our days. Lord, we do look for the appearing of Christ in the air. My soul, we look for it. Delivered and grow from the groans of this uh, painful world, at times, but Father, I do pray. I do pray for time to be on our side a bit. Give us an opportunity, Father, if you will, to to be a witness to every soul that we come in contact with. Make a difference in their life. to make a difference in eternity. You've given us a job to do, dear God, and I pray that we would uphold it. We would honor the name of our Savior who made such a difference in the lives of others. We ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 I do hope and pray that the preaching and teaching of the Word of God was a blessing to your heart tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand with me for our closing hymn this evening. Guide me, O thou great